Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one -on -one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. Rebecca Todd is one of those, she's just born with it, stylists. Self-taught and a straight talker, she's at the top of the stylist game in Hollywood. And that is because Rebecca is constantly hustling, networking, and pushing herself creatively. That drive has resulted in a highly successful career in both styling and costume design that spans over 20 years. And her mile-long list of clients includes everyone from Blake Lively, Kobe Bryant, Melissa McCarthy, and Dwayne Johnson, to Elle McPherson, Ryan Hansen, Lizzie Kaplan, and the one and only Betty White. Rebecca started out in Hollywood in public relations, which quickly evolved into merchandising and buying before she got bitten by the styling bug. And almost from the moment she decided that being a stylist was her dream job, her career took off. In less than a year, she was styling for America's Next Top Model and then became the head of the wardrobe departments for numerous shows on the E! Entertainment Channel and the Style Network. Over the span of her career, she has done everything from celebrity styling and fashion magazine editorials for publications like Flaunt, People, Us Weekly, Ellie Confidential, and Maxim, to creating visual storytelling for advertising campaigns for companies such as Ford, Nike, Pepsi, Starbucks, Showtime, Google, AT&T, Budweiser, Toyota, and Universal Studios, just to name a few. Not to mention her red carpet work at all of the top award shows, the Oscars, the Emmys, the Golden Globes, as well as the MTV Music and MTV Video. Award shows. Earlier this year, she continued to challenge herself during the quarantine and decided to launch her own clothing line called Grey Haze. Its message t-shirts, hats, and masks are all inspired by the lockdown. The clothing, sporting phrases like stay home, worst birthday ever, essential, back the fuck up, and mental distancing have been selling like hotcakes. Just on a technical side note, I did want to let all you listeners know that Rebecca and I did our interview over a Zoom video, so don't be surprised by a couple of very minor audio issues. And if you happen to be more of a visual learner, feel free to head over to my signature YouTube channel to watch the video version of this podcast in action. Now, to all you future stylists out there, get out your pens and your paper and pay close attention to what Rebecca has to say in this podcast. Her tips and tricks are a masterclass, not only on how to become a successful stylist, but also how to stay on top in Hollywood. Rebecca, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I always like to go to back to the beginning with most of the people I interview, and I wanted to know, how did you first get interested in styling? I mean, I, growing up, I didn't even know it was a job that you could actually have in the world. How did you discover it, and what made you decide to that that was your passion? I always loved fashion. I was always the girl that my friends came over and borrowed my clothes to the extent where I had to have a dry erase board in my room where I had my friends kind of check out my clothing like a library because I'd forget who had what and I'd lose all my clothes. So I just always loved it. And then out of college, I worked in fashion PR. I had a friend who was a celebrity actually who connected me to a big fashion PR, uh, fashion lifestyle luxury PR firm. And of course they thought I'd have a million celebrity friends and I just had the one. <laughs> 
But one moment, that's all you needed to get yourself in the door, right? And so from there, I, you know, I did that for a couple of years and I wasn't so sure about it. From there, I went into retail and I went to this high-end boutique to do their PR and, and do like merchandising and buying. And then some stylists came in and they'd be sitting there and shopping and hanging out. And I just thought it was the coolest job ever. I was like, you're working and you're here and you're just hanging out with me and you're shopping and this is your job. And so one of them let me assist her on a shoot. And I mean, I was like the third assistant. I really wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't relying on me for much. <laughs> a lot of organizing of cues and placing of, of, you know, jewelry and yeah. Yes, yes, basically the intern. And from there, I just kind of kept going. I started in reality TV and then it just blossomed into working with some celebrities and then doing big advertising campaigns and fashion shoots. And, and it's been probably almost 20 years now. Oh, wow. And I do a lot of personal styling as well, which I really love doing, you know, real people. And I come in and I clean out their closets and I organize and I get them a whole new look and I shoot them these really cool lookbooks and show them how to, you know, wear all their clothes together, which is really nice because it's, it's just, it's very gratifying. You know, when I do a commercial, I dress the guy in a green t-shirt and everybody leaves and goes on with their merry way and nobody really thinks about me again and I did my job and that's that but when I do people's you know a real person's closet and make them feel better about themselves it's pretty exciting for me because they leave their house happier and it just it makes me feel really good so so you're actually going in you're actually going in and looking through their wardrobe and pulling together pieces and showing them how what they already shopping within their own wardrobe to a certain extent and then finding what they might be missing and bringing that in to kind of complete that global look for them correct shopping within their own wardrobe but also cleaning a lot out because a lot of people who are hiring me really need to purge mm-hmm. and whether it's just really dated or it's stained or it just you know it needs to be altered and then it can still be worn but you know a lot of them are just if, if you're hiring me you probably need a lot of help <laughs> I love it. I want to ask you more about that, but I want to ask them this question. Is it kind of like, you know, being a comedian, like you're born funny? Are you born to be a stylist? Do you, is it something that you're, that you're, yeah, that you just naturally have a gift for, or can you be taught into the codes of being? I think absolutely it could be both. I mean, you either have an eye or you don't, you know, I, I didn't go to fashion school. I don't know the technicalities of some fabrics. And those are things that I could always be learning and growing from on my own end. But I think you have it or you don't. I look at something and it just makes sense to me. And I put an outfit together or somebody's wearing something and I'm like, well, why don't you tuck that shirt in? And why don't you do this? And why don't you roll that pan? It would make you look taller if you see that little peak of your ankle or, you know, things that people don't, don't just think about naturally. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense to me. So I do think it's, you know, just a creative way my mind works. Whereas, you know, a writer is a creative in a different way. And, you know, everybody's got their own thing. And I I do think everybody's born with some level of talent in a field. And then if you can expand on it or not, but yes, it it can be taught, but I don't know that you can teach taste, Mm -hmm. you know, you can learn it and you can learn about brands and designers and try to emulate what they're doing. But, you know, I don't think you can necessarily teach it. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you can you can see people who've like basically taken the look off the runway and then just bought that and put it on and it just never works. It's that, it's that mix. Or, you know, I've got clients who are like, oh, I keep those two hanging in my closet together because I bought those together. That's an outfit. And I'm like, but those are black pants. They go with everything in your whole closet. Like, why aren't you wearing them with other stuff? And they're like, well, because the, that's the outfit. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, sure, they look great, but they, they can't go beyond that. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. But styling is kind of like, I can only imagine to be successful in it, you have to have the skill of networking as well. Because I mean, it's that, for me, that's 
a huge percentage of what you do is that back and forth and networking. How do you, successful is having the eye, but what are those other things they don't tell you about that you really need to do to, to do doing this for 20 years? You have to be a business person too. You know, I'm naturally aggressive. I just have that dominant personality. I, you know, that's why I was able to have some success in PR as well. Like you just have to be aggressive. And, and I have never had a problem just walking up to people. Hi, I'm Rebecca. I'm this, I'm that, and da, da, da. And so I think to be a successful artist, you also have to have either a partner who is your business person, or you have to have an agent who's your business person, or you have to be able to handle the business side of it as well, because there's so much to it, you know, so in networking. Do you do, you do that? So many creatives are really good at the creative and just are not good at the business or vice versa. Are you, are you the full package then, or do you have help? I, I think I am the full package. I've always been pretty good at business as well. I've had agents and I've never stayed with any of them because I haven't thought they did a good job. And I always thought I did a better job. And now I'm, what am I paying you for? And you're making 20% off the clients that I'm hustling for, you know? So, so I have always been able to do that. And, you know, we all ebb and flow. Sometimes I'm really good about getting out there and other times I'm just burnt out, mm-hmm. you know, as we all get, but yeah, to, to be successful for almost 20 years, I've, I've definitely had to constantly network, constantly reach out to people. I cold call all the time. I reach out to directors who I like their work and see, you know, and I always expect that I'm sure you have a stylist, but if you don't, here's my work, you know, think about me for your next job. And so I do that all the time and I could send out a hundred emails and get two responses mm-hmm. and it's a little discouraging, but then if one of those people hires me, then there you go. It was worth it. So, and then it's, it's so much easier once you have the client to have that becoming a recurring business, isn't it? Like it's so much less effort after you've got them in the door, I guess. Correct, correct. So I mean, everybody's goal is to have have the consistent clients that love you and keep hiring you back and then refer you to other people. Exactly, exactly. No, that's interesting that you're talking about the cold calling. You're just figuring out, because I know there's so many people who want to do what you do and have that success. And I just feel that there are those little key things that people don't think about, like the cold calling, the finding emails, the networking stuff. I don't think that people realize what it takes to, to really do that. Tell me a little bit about what muscles you have to use that are different between styling for something commercial or a fashion or a celebrity client. How do they differ and what, how do you behave, do you behave any differently within those different frameworks or, or is it all the same thing? No, they're all really different. I mean, you definitely have to cater to your audience. If I'm doing a commercial, it's generally, unless it's a fashion brand, it's generally pretty generic. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't necessarily want the clothes to be memorable. They want the brand to be memorable. But if the brand's logo is burgundy and gray, they kind of want you to subtly put in burgundy and gray in there so that, you know, so it all blends together and subliminally people are thinking about the brand. Mm. So you're doing it that way. And, you know, and then you're make you've got a lot of cooks in the kitchen on that. You've got the, you've got the director, you've got the agency, you've got the client, you've got, you know, everybody, everybody has an opinion. Mm-hmm. So it's very different when you're, when you're working with a celebrity, you're, you're kind of handholding, you know, they, celebrities are very insecure. They're very concerned about their image. You kind of want to grow their image and their brand, but they definitely need their handheld. You got to sit there and it's a million compliments all the time and make them feel great. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's, you know, a lot of people say that working with celebrities is a little bit like babysitting. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and obviously some more than others, but it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of handholding and making sure that they feel really confident in the direction you guys are going together. I was going to say, when I'm working with like a regular person with their closet, 
I think what people like about me is I'm brutally honest. You know, I'm kind of the best friend that you want to have where I'm going to tell you to throw out your favorite shirt with a hole in it because it's got a hole and stop wearing that. Mm -hmm. You know, we will replace it and you will miss your shirt with your hole, but like it can't be fixed. Get over it. So I do think that's something that my regular, like my regular uh, clients like about me is I'm honest with them and I'm going to tell them like, that's not going to work. Let's move forward. And so it's, it's a little different with everyone. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about with the celebrity clients. I know that especially when they're younger, celebrities are not as well known and you have brands that don't want to lend your clothing or how do you, I, you know, the famous story of La Roche dressing Zendaya in looks that somebody else wore, you know, and getting that comparison in like People Magazine where, you know, she'd be wearing something that was supported by somebody else and then that would get her compared and she always looked the best. But I mean, that's one example. What I, but I want to know how do you do that when you have a younger uh, celebrity who you want to position in a certain way and brands don't know them or aren't feeling comfortable? How do you maneuver in that space? That is so much work. <laughs> <laughs> when you're working with a huge celebrity, everybody wants to loan. That's just that. It's easy. You can call up anyone and they're happy to loan. So you're getting paid more and your job is easier. <laughs> when you're working with an up and coming celebrity, they're paying you less and you're working your tail off. And it's like you're reaching out to, you know, everyone you can. You're pulling favors, like, please just loan. You know, I'm telling you she's going to be great. And or if you let me put this on her, I'll put this on him, yeah. you know. And so it's like you're trying to pull favors and, and compromise and, you know, on, with other people as well. And so uh, it's a lot harder, you know. I've even in, at times had to buy instead of just getting samples loaned, you know, because a lot of young up-and-comers too don't realize the way it is and they don't understand. And when you're pulling them these like you know cool up and coming brands there's like where's my Gucci and yeah like, if you want to wear Gucci you're gonna have to buy Gucci like Gucci's lo not loaning to you yet the clients that they're gonna loan to the people they've had pre-approved that they'll loan yeah. to for the season and nobody else I mean that's the thing that's the thing and so it just is what it is but it's definitely it's definitely tricky and you have to figure out like how to say like how to say in a nice way basically they don't want to dress you <laughs> and so um and so to get them excited about you know but that's why I was saying it's so much more work to try to find these cool up and coming designers and brands that you do think are really cool and you know that they are going to get there mm -hmm. and that they're going to look right on your client but to find the right ones that are also the press are interested in and mm -hmm. so it's it's definitely more challenging but like what you were saying about Zendaya and how, you know, she'd wear something that somebody else did. That's actually a strategy. So that you've got the who wear it best. Mm -hmm. And now somebody's recognizing her and seeing that she wore the same thing that some other huge celebrity did, you know, before she was big, obviously. Exactly. But, um, okay. Yeah. But it definitely is a strategy. If you can be in a magazine, publicity is publicity. Exactly. Yeah. Well, talk to me a little bit about a win like that that you've done where you were like, again, I think that the, the something that I've seen is changing in the styling world is that I feel like the world has become much more educated about a broader range, let's say, of, of brands where the young and up and coming brands are also getting a lot more play than maybe they once did and that you can experiment with younger brands on a, maybe a younger talent. Do you have, can you talk to me about a win where you were able to find that great meld of a, of a younger up and coming brand and a younger up and coming client of yours where you were able to really find that kismet moment? I haven't been working with a lot of celebrities just recently, so okay. I don't have like good, good recent examples. Okay. But I definitely, I guess in the past, I've been in showrooms where they said, hey, that dress was worn already by so-and-so. And I'm like, I don't mind, mm. you know, like if she doesn't mind, great. 
And then I asked her and, and I have had those clients that say, great, if I can be compared to who, you know, on who are best, like as long as style me better than like, I want to look better than her and like, let's work this out together. So I think that's, that is a good example, but you know, it's, I think it's just about, again, it goes back to like me having that eye and convincing my client that it doesn't matter that it's not a high fashion name. They look amazing and they're going to get noticed. You know, I, I try not to do too much black. I have one client that all she wants to wear is black and white and I'm always trying to get her into color because I'm like, nobody cares. Like <laughs> you know? your color of print, you're going to get photographed. I mean, I know that from the street style of the fashion shows that if you wear a pattern or you wear a color, you will get photographed whoever you are. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's like a constant battle I have with, she's a current client of mine, constant battle. I'm like, you've worn black for your last six events. Like I can't get you out of it. Like we, you have to wear color if you want to be in the press. Otherwise, why are you paying me? I know. <laughs> I know. It's so true. And, I, and I'm one of those people, it doesn't, not, it doesn't show today, but I'm one of those people who appreciates a good black anything. Can you talk to me a little bit about you know, over, I would say, you've done this for 20 years, but maybe in the past 10 years, you know, with the arrival of social media, with the the education of the general public to the fashion space, to designers, et cetera, et cetera. Can you talk to me a little bit about how your job has evolved in, in this time period and, and what do you see as the biggest shift? Social media is definitely the biggest shift. I mean, it's, it's crazy how Instagram, you know, is, it, it changes your credibility hmm. and it matters. And sadly, like, I have to work on my Instagram all the time and I'm constantly working on growing my following and I've not gotten jobs because I don't have a big enough following mm -hmm. where it's like, who cares? Can I just be good at my job? Like I come in here, I'm a stylist. What does it matter if I have 10,000 followers or a hundred thousand? Like you're, you're truly not going to hire me because I don't have a hundred thousand followers. And so I think that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's a blogger now. Everyone's an Instagram model. <laughs> You know, it's just really changed things. And it's, it's such a different era, which is weird. Um, you know, the fact that the title influencer is a job is strange. It yeah. is, it's the reality, but like, you know, somebody's getting paid just to, just to wear your products and market your stuff, which I guess it's like the modern, it's what a socialite used to be. Yeah. And now it's influencer, you know, but it's like, you know, so it does, you know, and then I've heard Instagram and that talk about how they're getting rid of their likes and how it's like so stressful for high school students and all these things. And it's making people even suicidal and, you know, so I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And if they do get rid of that, cause that, that would rock the industry. Actually like measure engagement for real engagement and not just likes that were bought or, or, in, or you know, followers that were bought, et cetera, et cetera. But, but what I really love about what you were doing is you've recently launched also a line of clothing. Am I right? Yeah. I launched okay. a t-shirt line. Here we are in quarantine and we're about, you know, three or four weeks, probably about a month into it. And obviously I'm not styling. Maybe some clients would want virtual styling, but for what? Nobody's getting dressed up. Everybody's at home. Nobody, nobody, you know, people are shopping and spending money, but not getting styled. So I was just bored. And I was looking for like a fun little quarantine t-shirt on Etsy and I couldn't find one I liked. I thought they were all really cheesy. You know, I'm not going to wear a t-shirt that has a toilet paper roll on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> so, I draw the line on the, on the toilet paper t-shirt. I draw the line on toilet paper on my chest. And so I have this idea, like, let's do some fun quarantine t-shirts. And so we're basically printing on demand, which is really nice because we don't have to carry inventory at this time. You know, we're testing it out. We're seeing. But I mean, I love it. I love the the idea of the, the expressions, worst birthday ever, you know, you know, I'm trying to think of what else, uh, work-life balance, things like, I, mean, I don't know. There were a bunch of great terms that you had. Did you guys spitball those or were they just like came to you 
immediately like this is what we gotta have. No, we 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 were we were just constantly sitting there throwing out ideas. My husband is notoriously relatively antisocial, so he came up with mentally distanced. I love that. Which is one of our which is one of our best sellers, which is very proud of. Yeah, so we just sat there and spitballed and came up with ideas. We've got we've got stay home, back the f up. People I love, love that. that. We've got you know what day is it? Now can I drink alone? You know a bunch of funny things that everybody's thinking. It's it's five o'clock everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love and them. We, and, and you're selling them on Etsy. Is that it? How are you? No, how are you? Nope. We started our own website, and we have between the two of us, we have a lot of friends who have really big Instagram followings, hence the, hence the Instagram influencers. And we've reached out to them and asked if they, you know, if we can send them a shirt, if they'll wear it on Instagram and promote us. And everybody's been really responsive to it. And so we've had a lot of people um, wearing them and promoting us. And so it's just kind of growing organically like that. And then their friends are buying and wearing it. And, you know, we've like been a path for you. I mean, or, or just a fun, you know, thing to do while you're, you're stuck at home. Or do you feel like, hey, you know, maybe I'll pivot to more of this? I don't know. Um, it could go either way. I'd, I'd like to continue this. We created our whole own font. So if you see all those t-shirts in that cool font, we created that. And my husband's an attorney, so he's going to get copywritten for us. And we love the name of our line. And we've, you know, we've formed the whole business business entity. So we'd like to grow with it. You know, I don't think our dream is to do graphic tees, but we both like really high-end t-shirts and really, you know, and, and stuff like that. So it's like, we'll see where it can evolve into. I know it's a very saturated market, but if we can grow a customer base that loves what we're offering, you know, we would love to continue it and see if we can do something more with it down the road. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to circle back around a little bit more to the, to the styling part of it. Cause you, you do, um, celebrities, you have the private clients where you go in and, and gut their wardrobe and give them something streamlined and, and perfect for, for who they are. You have the commercial side. Is it important for, as a stylist to have, you know, not all of your eggs in one basket as it were, and, and kind of have that kind of well-rounded experience? I mean, is that a, a smart move or is there a specific strategy for being a stylist, would you say? I don't know that there's a smart move. I think everybody has their own niche. I like bouncing around so I don't get bored and burnt out on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm working on a commercial, it is a grind. I am on that commercial for, you know, a week or however long it is between prepping and getting it all done and returning. By the time I'm done with it, I'm absolutely exhausted. And then I'm excited to go play in someone's closet and drink wine with them <laughs> and play dress up. So it's a little of everything. You know, some people only want to work with celebrities and then it's there. But like, you know, the people who do fashion editorials, they don't make very much money. I don't honestly know how they survive because you don't get paid well for that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so I like the balance of, you know, every, I do fashion editorials here and there, but I make almost no money when I do it, but I love doing them. I love to like flex my creative juices and and it's so fun and different. So I do like doing that as well, but like I couldn't do that all the time because there's no money with it. And so, you know, what I do think for young, for young people wanting to get into the business, if there's something that they are passionate about, go assist a stylist who does that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and go work beneath that stylist for a couple of years or a couple of stylists in that same realm or bounce around with different, you know, so you assist a celebrity stylist and a commercial stylist and a costume designer on film and see what it is you're passionate about. You know, because there's, there's costume designers that only do film. That's what they love. They they go on their on their shoot for three months with all, you know, and, and work on it and like the longevity of it and having consistent paycheck. And then I 
like the freelance world where I don't have long jobs like that. I have two small kids, so I like having time. You know, I like that I can do a few jobs a month and and then I can relax and spend time with my family. So I think it really depends on the person and like what interests you. But for me, it's just, I really just, I get burnt out on one piece of it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, God, I'm dying to do a commercial, you know? And so it's like, I, I kind of just got desperate if you got to a point where you were dying to do a commercial, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it's almost like I'll get jealous. Like if I'm not doing, like if I haven't worked on a commercial in a few weeks and I see everybody else is working and nobody's called me for a job, I'm like, well, Eric, people are working. Why am I not? <laughs> so, um, so that's when I'm dying to do it. Okay. But yeah, I, just, I like, I like switching it up. Can you talk to me a little bit about, I know you have two small kids I saw on your Instagram. So talk to me a little bit about work-life balance. I mean, you say you're a freelancer, so it's, you know, you can you make, pick and choose to a certain extent. Was that part important for you as far as, you know, to have that work-life balance with, as a mom of young kids? Well, I've been freelance and had that balance you know, forever, long before I had kids. Now that I have kids, it's helpful. My husband's an attorney, he works full time. So when I am working, his life just becomes harder. <laughs> and I have these long hours and now he's having to get the kids up in the morning, get them ready for school. At the evenings, he's having to get them dinner and put them both to bed. So it makes things hard for him. So, you know, so I, I try, you know, obviously if a great job happens and they're back to back to back and it is what it is, yeah. he's very supportive of it, but I'm very aware where to have that balance also so it's so it works better for him as well so so about that then is it like because it's the same thing with me with the fashion shows like my husband knows there are certain sections of the year where he's not going to see me that I'm going to be in Milan and Paris and London and you know for the shows so you know I see you in a month is that the same thing for you like during award season or is there a time of the year where it's just like forget it I'm not around um I don't do a lot of celebrities currently that are going to the awards so I don't have that celebrity styles absolutely you know January through March they're gone and same with the summertime with the Emmys but um because I'm not doing a lot of celebrities currently and I don't really have that but I have months that are a lot quieter like I expect December and January usually to be pretty quiet like on the commercial end of it and so you know so it's like I know that there's definitely ones that come up and down but it's really all over the place like you just never know I can you know not work for a week or two and then all of a sudden I've got four overlapping jobs in the same three weeks. It's just, it's like, you never know. You know, they have this joke in my industry that it's, if you're looking for work, it's book a trip, book a job. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Make plans. Yeah. Exactly. Yep, make plans and something will happen. So, so it's, it's, it's definitely always scattered, but yeah, but I mean, yeah, for you, it's like the, you, you have your specific seasons. There's definitely seasons. Um, yeah. Can you talk to me about, uh, well, two things. One, a great memory you have uh, during your career, some, a, a great moment, a great styling moment. And, and then I also want to talk about a time where you had a misstep or, or made a mistake and, and was able to pivot or adjust and, and what you took away from that moment. So both of those things, a great success or a great moment where you're just a great memory and then also a moment where you really, you know, was like, well, by far and away, well, by far and away, my favorite time in my career is I used to dress Kobe Bryant and he was, I mean, I was the biggest Laker fan forever, the biggest Kobe fan forever. I used to have like posters of him in my room. I loved him so much. And when it was, the opportunity was brought to me that Kobe needed a new stylist. A friend of mine was a fashion publicist and was friends with his manager and reached out to me. And apparently they were, you know, they got about five people to come in and interview for the job. And I wanted it so bad, like so bad. 
I spent about a week making this amazing lookbook for him of ideas. I mean, I worked around the clock. Like I, it's by far and away my most proud thing I've done. And I brought it to this interview and, you know, his people were so poker faced and they had no reaction to this. I mean, their only reaction was, oh, this looks like it took you a long time. <laughs> I was like, that's it. Like, Yes, it took me a long time. And, and um, I left it with them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if I'd ever even get it back. And I was just like, walked out of there. It's like pretty blue. And, um, and I hear back three days later that now Kobe would like to meet with me. Oh, wow. And it was down to me and one other girl. And I went to meet with him. I was, I guess I was the first choice, which I didn't know at the time. Mm-hmm. And I went to meet with him and he, you know, met with him down in Orange County. And he comes down with my book in his hand and we sit there and talk and, you know, we're chatting away. And as I told you with my clients, I'm really direct. Yes. I did the same thing with him. He tells me this uh, street he used to live on in the Palisades and, called Lockman Lane, which I also used to live on. Yeah. And he's pronounced it wrong. He's like, oh, I used to live on Lockman Lane. And I was like, you mean Lockman Lane? Yeah. I'm whatever, but you know, I used to live there too. And he was like, what's your sign? And I was like, I'm a Taurus. Why? And he's like, I knew it. My wife's a Taurus. My daughter's a Taurus. I'm plagued by you guys. I'm in. <laughs> and I was like, what? And I was like, what? What? I was like, wait, that just happened. He's like, that just happened. And it was just so exciting. Like definitely my most exciting moment. And I was just a stylist for a couple of years. I did everything for him and I just adored him so much. And it was just like, it was absolutely my favorite styling time in my life. It was great. Oh my God. I have to ask a follow-up um, question about that. Tell me about your book. When you, what was it that you wanted to bring to, to what did you want to do for him? That what, what was the positioning? Like, this is what I want for you for the next few years. Like, how did you see him? It was just about like showing him, you know, how men style. It's very different for men and women. You know, men's clothes are, it's harder to make them interesting. And so it was about showing him how fits and fabrics and layering and how it could all work together and with accessories. And there was just like all these different runway looks and then showing how to pair it and like what we could do and like, and like, and how we were just going to have him look effortless, but cool. And, you know, so it was just a whole, I mean, it was a pretty long book of ideas, Mm -hmm. but, you know, put together in a way that would make you excited to put all that stuff on. And so- I have to ask you this, kind of like when you talk about dressing a celebrity who isn't isn't a size zero, you know, model size to to borrow clothing for Kobe, it has to all be. I would make sure I would. What is the dynamic of of dressing somebody like that who is outside of of what you can you know borrow from the industry? Right. Yeah. For him, I mean, everything had to be custom, and you know, I worked with all the designers and and because it had to be custom, there's a long lead time on getting things, you know, we did a bunch of Gucci and with John Barbados and all these brands that like would make all these clothes for him, but it would take months on end to get stuff. And, you know, and of course, then you send it off to somebody like that and they wear it once, they don't get photographed. You never see that jacket again. And I'm like, I wanted that jacket in the photo. And so, so it's, it was definitely had its very challenging moments, but yeah, everything had to be custom. You know, you could do the accessories. And yeah. so that was nice, you know, like the sunglasses and the, and the tie pins and whatever, but like, you know, it was, everything had to be custom with something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a whole other level of challenge when it has to be custom. I think. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. But luckily when you have a name like that, people are excited to do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, the challenge then is getting, now they've gone out of their way to make something for you. And if they've charged you for it, it's not a big deal. But the ones who went out of their way and make it for you and you're not paying for it, the challenge of like getting them to take the photo, you know, that the designer really wants and they went out of their way and they're expecting a photo and good luck. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. Well, talk to me a little bit about that because 
Um, I do still want to ask you about that moment where you made a misstep, but first I want to ask you this, and that is when, you know, one thing like I see like Beyonce was really, has been really good at, and Lady Gaga also has been really good at, is like finding those, those designers no one's ever heard of before, and wearing their clothing, and all of a sudden they're a celebrity, like Olivia Tiskins back when he was 21, Madonna wore his dress to the Oscars back in the 90s, and launched his career to a certain extent. How do you feel, because you have that position as a, as a stylist to like really maybe put some designers on the map. Do you think about that at some points? I absolutely do. If I'm passionate about, you know, as a stylist, I can definitely see the world through someone else's lens mm -hmm. and I can dress them in a way that they're comfortable with and it feels true to them. But you can't separate yourself from, from what, feel, what you love. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still always gonna gravitate toward things, that, toward designers and looks that resonate with me. Mm -hmm. You know, for instance, like a Zoe Deschanel, she's always in like cute little vintage -y outfits and that's not my style. Mm -hmm. And if somebody asks me to be her stylist, could I do it? Sure, but it wouldn't be authentic for me. It would be a challenge or she'd be better fit with a stylist who resonates with that. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely bring, you know, I'm always going to work better with people who have some similar aesthetic to me. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm really passionate about a designer and I've found this new brand that I love and I can put it in people's faces and, you know, it's always, it's always going to be a little bit of designs that I really love and I want to push. And I absolutely love doing that because if I love them, I want the whole world to know about them. Well, when you talked about your aesthetic, how would you describe your aesthetic? Like when, when you, when people come to you, what are they going to get? I mean, what's that? What's your slant towards fashion? I'm, pr I'm more on like the simple side, like, um, I don't do a ton of pattern, you know, a little bit here and there for pops, but more simple. I like angles. I like things sometimes that are asymmetrical, but I like it clean. I want anything simple, more like clean. I just love like a clean, like even a clean monochromatic look or something chic and a big hat or, you know, I really love accessories that stand out, whether it's your purse or your shoes or your sunglasses. And so I think it's really important to have those pieces special and stand out. You could wear a whole outfit forever 21 mm -hmm. and as long as it's styled right no one's going to know the difference but you know I think it's it makes it's important to have the right shoes and the right bag and the right hat and the right glasses I think those things really make your outfit stand out mm -hmm. so I like to do that uh, I dress a lot of men as well and I think with men it's really about fit it mm -hmm. really is about the fabrics I love when men layer I love when you know you see a little peak of one collar under the other and it's and it looks really unintentional but all of a sudden you're kind of like, oh, I hadn't thought about doing that. You know, even like when men wear two Henleys on top of each other, like I love something like that where it looks effortless. I think that's what I, what I am. It's like, I always like go for like effortless chic look where it didn't look like you tried too hard, but it looks like you just have the right pieces mm -hmm. and you rolled out of your house and you threw something on and it all just sort of works together without putting too much work into it. I don't like when things are too fussy. So on that, on that note, are, is it easier to style men than women? Men are nice because they're less insecure. Generally, I, and I think it's, you know, women, we have so many more options. And again, dealing with insecurities. But with men, when you have dresses and skirts and rompers and pants and, you know, you have so many pieces with men, unless it's summertime, they're wearing pants, you know? And it's like, there's just less options. So it is also more challenging sometimes to make it, to put outfits together to make them have that effortless, cool look. But I actually love doing both. I really love doing both. I don't know. I think, I, again, I like to switch it up because it's just two totally different worlds. 
I, I get I get that you get bored easily. You're on to the next. You like a new challenge. I'm getting that vibe off of you. But speaking of challenges, I want to circle back around to that other part of the that other question I asked back uh, back a little bit. What is the a moment where you made a misstep or a mistake, and how you kind of what you learned from that, and how you pivoted from that moment? Oh God, I've made so many mistakes. <laughs> I never really assisted. So I didn't know how to do anything when I started. Hmm. I, uh, I started after I assisted that one stylist on that shoot, there was a startup TV channel in LA where they had nine shows. And I knew some people who were on that TV channel and a bunch of the producers from E Entertainment and the Style Network went over to there and tried to launch this channel. And they needed a stylist for the entire channel, for all nine shows. Wow. And somehow I interviewed and got this job and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And thank God the whole channel, not thank God, not the whole God the channel tanked, but for me, thank God the channel tanked quickly and because I was drowning, I had no idea what I was doing. But to go from there, some a lot of those producers at Ian Style hired me for their reality shows. Mm-hmm. And so I just trying to think of any specific mistake, but for that, I just made so many mistakes along the way because I never assisted, so I didn't know how to do things. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to learn along the way. I did have one moment where I was just crushed where one of my celebrity clients was in New York and I was in LA and she had an event and wanted me to ship her a bunch of stuff. And this is actually the client I was talking about earlier who always loves to wear black. Yes. And so I was really trying to get her out of her box of wearing the expected dress. And so I sent her, and actually a bunch of like great brands wanted to loan. And so I sent her a bunch of what I thought were really cool, different looking dresses. And she hated them all. I mean, hated them. Opened the box, called me. I don't know what you were thinking. These are so wrong. Like was so upset sent them all back to me, didn't want to wear a single thing, like reached out, her publicist reached out and found a stylist in New York to dress her for that event. Like I was devastated, just devastated. And, you know, it was frustrating to me because we, I still work with her. Yeah, because I was going to say that she's still a client. So how did you recover from that? We bounced back, you know, and I explained to myself that I wanted to push the envelope with her and I wanted her to try new things, but I definitely learned that I couldn't push the envelope on somebody when I wasn't there. You know, I wasn't there to go through a fitting with her and try these things on with her. And had I been there, you know, with, as I said, with celebrities, it's a lot of handholding. Had I been there and showed her why it was so unique and different and why it would catch the press's attention, I think it would have been a different story. But when someone's on their own and they're just looking at this dress and they're like, this is weird. I don't get it. Where's the belt go? How does this, is this on the shoulder, off the shoulder? I have no idea how this works. And so maybe had we done like a virtual tryout or something, it could have been different. But I mean, I mean, I was crushed. I held that one for a long time. And, you know, and it, and it took a little while for us to get back to where we were. And I think it's because we were also friends that we recovered. But had we not been friends, had it been a newer client, I don't know that you ever would have hired me again. Mm-hmm. So. No, yeah, it does seem like a, a, the relationship between a stylist and, and a celebrity or, or even a non-celebrity is a very personal one. It is a very personal, very personal. So tell me a little bit then, would you recommend that people become stylists? I mean, there are a lot of people who say, I want to be a fashion journalist and I'm like, for fashion critic. <laughs> right now, the way the things are going, I would, don't know if I would recommend you do that right now. I mean, but is, is there room, especially now that the stylist has come out from behind the velvet curtain and, and it, there, it is the era, or at least it was in the last 10, 10 years, I would say that celebrity stylist has really become a thing. It feels like, you know, it's the next generation of the the fashion designer, celebrity fashion designer. I would 
still 100% recommend it. I think that there, I think it is much, much more competitive than it used to be. Now that, you know, stylists have come out from behind the curtain, I think it is a career that people didn't know existed. And now everybody's like, oh, I can play dress up and I get paid for this, you know, like, sure. But as competitive as it is, people still don't realize it's a job. You still have to put in the work. You're not just playing dress up. And, you know, to what I was talking about earlier, there's the business end of it and the creative end. And you have to, to be successful, you either have to be both or you have to partner up with somebody who has what you lack. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think there's, I think, you know, it's much more competitive, but I think if you love it, absolutely go for it. I feel so, so lucky to do what I do. Like I love my job. Mm -hmm. You know, I see people who go to work and they come home and we, of course I still have my bad days, but I feel lucky every day when I'm working that this is what I get to call my career. Yeah. And it's adorable. I have a I have a five-year-old daughter and, and she sits here and she now has like some different fashion toy things she plays with and a little sketching, you know, a little sketching, like you put the different pieces of the outfits together and sketch and color. And she's like, hey mom, how am I doing? Am I, am I being a fashion-y today? <laughs> this, I'm going to be a stylist when I grow up. And of course, you know, I don't care what she's going to be I'm, as long as she's happy. But if she wanted to get into fashion, I would love it. You know, I think it's, I think it is a wonderful career for a girl to, or a girl, a girl, a guy, anyone to get into, um, who's interested in fashion and, you know, you're gonna have to put in the work. It's a lot of work to grind. Yeah. I mean, let's just, just the returns alone. I've got, to... oh, I, I, I try to never do this. <laughs> I've earned my stripes. I try to pass those off to other people. <laughs> it, it's the same thing with me. It's like, I'll do the interview, but I'm not transcribing the interview. I pass that on to somebody else to transcribe it. Cause I just like, Oh my God, I've done that too many years. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So now it's time for the five generic fashion questions. I'm going to ask you. And the first one, I'm very interested to see what you say to this is what is the favorite piece of clothing that you own? Mm, good question. I have a hat that I love. It's a hat. I know. It's not funny. You didn't expect that. There's this brand named Janessa Leone. I don't know if you know her. And I just love her hats. Like I, you know, they're wide brim. So I'm, the sun doesn't love me. I'm a redhead. <laughs> so, but I have to say like, anytime I can work one of her hats into my outfits, it makes me really happy. That's, that is the first time anyone has told me a hat. That is fab fabulous. I love it. What, you know, buying clothing, buying designer clothing, it's, it's a real investment. Not everybody has a ton of money, but if a woman or a man was going to invest in one item, what would that piece be? What do you think they should really put money into? Probably different for women versus men. I think it's got to be one, huh? Well, it won't, no, it can be one for men and one for women. But still one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say for women, an accessory, like a purse or a, I'm torn between jeans and a handbag. Okay. Because I think, you know, maybe we'll go with jeans. Okay, so that is there like a jean brand that's just fabulous for everybody? Or do you really have to hunt it out and find the jean brand that's best for you? I'm just, because there's so much out there as an option. I think you have to hunt it out. You've got to try them on. And then all of a sudden, you've got that one absolute favorite pair of jeans in your closet that you could wear every day. Mm -hmm. And it's embarrassing because you wear too often. But like, I just discovered this new brand that I love called Trave. Do you know them? No. T-R-A-V-E and I have in fact I'm wearing them but I just love them and now I never ever wear any other jeans in my closet except for these and so I think having that one pair of jeans that just makes you feel great it makes your butt look good you feel good in it you feel like you can walk down the street and everybody's gonna be like oh what jeans are you wearing you're like you look great today you know so I think for women like that I don't know I guess it depends on who you are too and if jeans are in your lifestyle but I just think having that amazing pair of jeans 
is something that you can't replicate. It also works for men as well because, you know, I, I don't know if you like a man with a, wearing a pair of jeans with a baggy bottom, but I certainly don't, so. Nope, nope. yeah, for, for men, it's gotta be that right slim cut where I don't like skinny jeans on men, but I like them nice and slim where it just shows all the right stuff. But yeah, I love that for men. I don't know if that would be my go-to for men though, because I don't think they care as much. Mm -hmm. I think it's one thing for having them to have a nice fit. I think for men, my favorite thing that they wear, honestly, is a Henley. So I love a Henley on men because it makes them look like they put in some effort without it just being a t-shirt. But for them, it just feels like a t-shirt and it's comfortable and casual and they don't have to put in the effort. But I always think it makes them look just styled enough. Very good. It's my favorite piece I add to men's wardrobes. In fact, I added several Henleys to your brother's closet. Who is your favorite designer, living or dead? Ah, uh, my favorite designer. It's a tough question because I'll tell you why. My favorite designer was always Helmut Lang. Mm. Love, love, love Helmut Lang. Although it's it, they changed the designer. I can't remember who's who's designing for them now. It was it was uh, Sean from Hood by Air for a little while, and then they've been changing it up. But uh... they've been switching it up. Yeah. So I don't know, but for years and years and years, Hamut Lang, I could walk into the store any day of the week and close my eyes and spin and point to something, and I'd be thrilled to own it. And ever since they switched um, up their designer, I don't feel that way, and I've never found another brand like that for me that just makes it like I, I'd wear everything in that entire you know their entire line so so currently I don't know who it would be because now I have to bounce around and like fill that void with other pieces so I don't know if you were asking for like a high-end designer or any range but that was always my favorite that's so interesting. I was interviewing earlier this week uh, Jens from uh, Skims and Frame and he was suggesting yeah. that a helmet, he said helmet for sure. He said he was a revolutionary and that he really, really. Uh, no way. Yeah, yeah. He was like, hands down. And then he went rift on all the things that helmet did and how amazing it was. I was like, oh my God. Okay. But uh, that's interesting. That's, that's really funny. Yeah, I know. I wish they would bring back like the old way that they were. I just, I loved all their, what I was telling you earlier, I love asymmetrical pieces and like the way they just feel effortless and like you just look cool with it but it's still just one piece you put on but you look really cool yeah and everybody wants to know what you're wearing and like why you look so cool without doing much oh. yeah it was excellent at that that's for sure okay yeah. two more questions so second to last question is what trend will you never follow the tiny glasses yeah <laughs> i can't i just can't they're so dumb i mean i know it's all a 90s thing like i hate the 90s jeans i like a version of them but not you know like the 90s jeans just look ridiculous like you i don't it's not for me so that's another one but those glasses like are just it, to me everybody who wears those saw kim kardashian wearing them and it was like oh kim and kanye said they're cool so i'm gonna wear them but like i can't i can't actually wrap my head around that anybody thinks they actually look good in them i feel like anybody who's wearing them is just doing it to follow a trend and that just i can't i can't i like i always that's where it's like i just stay true to myself no matter what trends are i'm never gonna you know as a stylist i feel like i should embrace those things and be pushing things like that that are on trend and oh, and the grandpa sneakers. Oh, <laughs> I can't do them. I just can't do them. Like, I don't understand how that became so huge. You've got like Louis Vuitton and Balenciaga who came out with them and they just are so ridiculous to me. Now, of course, everybody followed suit and now they're still here and they're not going away. And the grand I'm never going to do the grandpa sneakers. 
I, I feel you. I am in total agreement about both of those trends that I will never follow either or advise anyone to follow. Those are those photos years from now. You'll, they, you know, those people will look back on a regret, you know. Yes, and be like, what was I thinking? I it's, the, it's, the, it's the Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, denim, total denim look on their photos. <laughs> but now, now that one's kind of iconic. <laughs> Um, okay, last question is, um, what do you love most about fashion? What I love most about fashion is it just, you can express yourself without saying anything. You know, what you, people judge you quickly, and I am guilty of that. Um, but I think, I just love that you can say who you are without saying a word. And I mean, I just, it's, it's fun to me to, to be able to, yeah be able to to show who I am without having to, to tell you anything about myself and I think I think you know and some people don't care and don't think they're saying anything but they're absolutely they're telling you they don't care <laughs> and so I I like I like being able to walk in a room and you know exactly what kind of person I am by what I'm wearing and I think it's fun I don't know if that was the right answer <laughs> that's the perfect answer Rebecca thank you so much it has been such a delight the next time in LA I'm taking out we're gonna have some mojitos or ah, whatever we're allowed to do I would love that look forward to seeing it okay bye, bye. don't want to miss an episode of fashion your seatbelt no problem just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically no fuss no muss believe me I know I'm Jessica Michaud